0: Welcome to Fresh Cut Grass. Light conversation with turf grass professionals from across the turf industry with your hosts, Jeff Fowler and Tanner Delval. Hello and welcome to this episode of Fresh Cut Grass. My name is Jeff Fowler, one of your co-hosts. As always with me, Tanner Daval. Tanner, good to have you and see you again this week.
1: Glad to be here.
0: It's an um, interesting time of the year for us, isn't it? Um, I, you know what? I haven't talked to you for a while. I know you're, you're, work, you're finishing up your, uh, the, the numbers on your PhD. How are you making out with that?
1: No, it's, it's moving along. <laughs> Still... Still cranking away. I still got a little bit of research to continue to take some data on this spring, um, and then it's writing, and it's it'll be busy. But we're making good progress.
0: Good, good. I'm glad to hear that. That's all. We that's going to be exciting to to. I know you have all your classwork done, and I knew you had that done. Uh, but that writing stuff would um, start to to start to wear us out after. Start
1: to sure. start to. It already, it already has worn me out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got to stay with it, man. You got a long way to go with that writing stuff. Um, oh, I, know. I, I admire you for, for doing it um, and getting it out and getting it done. Um, it's, be a great accomplishment when they, I just, I just want to know if I'm going to have to call you Dr. Tanner or whether we're just going to still be able to just be Tanner. No,
1: I, I I'm first name basis.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, hey, so um, I don't need to tell you, but our guest today um, is Boyd Montgomery. Boyd is from the Toro Company. Um, I, I've known I've known Boyd longer than um, I probably like a lot of our guests longer than I'd like to admit in public, um, <laughs> because most people don't think I'm that old. Um, but then they realize that I've Boyd and I have known each other for probably 25 years. Um, I first met Boyd um, at a um, an event that we were talking about. Um, with Pam Sharon, a couple of weeks ago on this on this show um, at Camp Sunshine or Su- I think that's the name of it just outside of Cleveland they used to do a um, Ohio Ohio STMA used to do a short course um, on sports turf and they had asked me to come out to speak and that's where I first met Boyd um, he was <clears throat> at that point in time was like um, chief guru of fields in Sylvania. <laughs> uh, um, Savannah, Ohio just outside of Toledo. Um, now he's with the Toro company. Um, Boyd, it's great to have you with us today.
2: Hey, great to be here. And uh, yeah, you, you're, you're definitely aging me as well. I, I, you might have a little bit more hair on your head than I do, but uh, uh, yeah, happy to be here and, and happy to, to hopefully share some knowledge that uh, is helpful to your listeners.
0: Yeah, so so the topic for today um, is, is, is a little bit different. Um, it's not a traditional kind of topic, Um, But we want to talk about buying versus leasing equipment, new equipment. Um, and, And what are the kind of what's the process that we go through to to decide or, you know, how as a as a field manager or as a turf manager or a lawn care company or a golf course superintendent, how do we go about the process of trying to figure out whether we want to go buy a new piece of equipment, or whether it's maybe better for us to lease it. Um, And and I'll be honest, I, my little, my little push lawnmower, um, I don't don't have to, I didn't have to worry about leasing it or, you know, deciding whether I was going to buy it because they wouldn't lease it to me. Um, But um, so it's a new topic to me and kind of a new subject, but I've heard Boyd do a talk on um, buying versus leasing. And my first question is, Boyd, is it like when I go rent, when I go to lease a car um you know i can buy or lease it is is it you know it's based on the number of miles i drive and,
2: and that yep. is that is it the same way with equipment yeah you know um we we definitely have uh when you look at you know sort of the turf equipment no matter what uh, segment of the business that uh, that you're looking at you know, there's different uh, usages of, of the, the products, you know, for example, if you look at, you know, in our neck of the woods up here in Minnesota or over in Pennsylvania there, uh, you know, you're probably six, eight months out of the year using, you know, that piece of equipment fairly heavily uh, where, you know, if you look down in Florida or California or you know, even Texas, I mean, they, they potentially could go, you know, 12 months out of the year. Um, And so when you look at a leasing type scenario, uh, there definitely is a a situation where if it is a, 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 true lease or what we would call a fair market value lease. Um, there are our usages that, uh, y- you'll look at, uh, to set up the lease structures, uh, as you go forward. So, uh, it definitely is impacted that way. Um, you know, just like, like you said, when you, if you're going to go and you're going to lease a car, they're going to base it on hours that you're going to, or uh, mileages that you're going to use your, uh, your car driving. It, so. And
0: so if I'm looking to buy a new piece of equipment, um, I mean I got to make sure I I can get a snow plow on it <laughs> or, or a brush <laughs> or some other way to get rid of snow. I mean very yeah. similar to what you are in in Minneapolis um, or or Minnesota, you know, you got to be able to push snow with that piece of equipment as well or do something Mul- else multi it.
2: multi-faceted equipment. I mean, you know, that's I think that's one of the themes that you see um, on most uh, most equipment that's developed for, for grounds usage, uh, you know, the singular focus, on this is all I use it for. Uh, and that's the one thing, um, is it it really has changed over the years where now equipment has multi-facets where you can use it, uh, summer, uh, to mow the turf, uh, take mowing decks off, put snow plows on and uh, away you go. Hmm. So,
0: um, I know we have also talked, um, um, just recently, um, about, um, leasing a, 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 fleet of equipment, so to speak, um, um, for a couple of different organizations that, um, it's, it's little league baseball and, and trying to, um, help them out with their softball world series complex that Chris Ball, um, has been on the show and talked to us about, um, uh, availability. Um, I know you told us before the show that um, we could probably do three or four episodes just on availability, um, but let's let's broach the
2: subject. Yeah, you know that's uh, especially now. It's it's one of those that's right in the front line uh, with with really many industries. Um, you know the 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 COVID impact um, definitely had a significant. Um, role in, in sort of availability, I would say, uh, trying to understand how you run a manufacturing plant um, when you have to put the uh, COVID, uh, you know, regulations in the, into effect, or if you could even operate a plant during those times when we had lockouts or, uh, you know, work, go home and work at home or stay at home. Um, you know, those type of scenarios really do significantly impact, but, uh, you know, I think the bigger thing is taking a step back and looking at all the other things that have, have really uh, compiled on to sort of uh, not only the, the, the COVID challenges, but have just added uh, added extra stress to um, you know, the supply chains or the, the, the logistics side of, of uh, manufacturing. And a lot of that, you know, if you think back into 2021, um, you know, February, I believe of, of 2021 was when uh, Texas was hit with a huge ice storm. People don't probably think that's a major thing, but it really crippled a lot of the, um, you know, the poly uh, products, uh, plants that are down there in the, the natural, uh, Uh, I think a lot of the the ureas that some of those, you know, basic stuff that comes out of that region, it crippled. Um, They were, you know, they were down for months uh, trying to get those plants back up uh, and, and operational to be able to supply stuff. Um, you know, it it created an an issue uh, with trying to move product around as well. Then you follow that up with Ida that came in uh, that uh, really while that was uh, a very targeted area that it hit, it took out about 60 percent of the PVC uh, manufacturing in the U.S. uh, at that time. Um, So, you know, and then follow that up with what happened in the uh, Panama Canal uh, where, uh, you know, we had a ship that uh, blocked transportation for, you know, quite some time and created that uh, that backlog as well. So there, there's all kinds of, of things that have just added up on top of a system that was already stressed just because of COVID, um, you know, and now you, you look at trying to move product around, you um, Around the U.S., uh, truck drivers, long haul truck truck drivers, trying to find those type of folks to even drive truck. Uh, it, it's it's very very difficult. Uh, you know, shipping. Uh, you know, the shipping containers. I, I think everybody's probably watched on the news or heard on the news about the uh, what they would call the choke it's, uh, choke on the water and and show all these container ships off of if it be at, you know the East Coast or the West Coast uh, waiting to get berthed into the, uh, the, into the ports to be offloaded. Um, and, you know, part of that challenge is as well, they, you know, they maybe can offload them. Maybe that, you know, maybe it's maybe one of those where they don't have the people to offload them, but when they do offload them, they don't have the trucks to load it on to get it out of, you know, the, the areas where they were offloading. So, um, you know, there's, there's definitely some, some major stress on, on that side, uh, of things when you look at it uh, when it, when it comes to that. So there there's you know I think a figure I saw from uh, Bureau of uh, Labor Statistics is uh, when you look at the manufacturing and the impact that it had on on COVID. Um, there was like uh, I want to say it was like 1.4 million jobs lost in manufacturing and about 60 some percent of that has come back. So there's just a huge gap of, of, uh, you know, trying to find folks to to manufacture products as well. So um, a a number of of different stresses that are are leading to it, you know, and those are those are sort of all the stress sides of the equation. And then, you know, you couple that with all the federal dollars that that have flown into uh, the economy from, um, the you know the fed into municipal governments into educational governments or educational um, folks uh, that has freed up a lot of what I what I I would say was the risk that they were sort of maybe you know accruing dollars for or holding back spending on because they didn't know what that was going to look like when they were going through that COVID period. And then all of a sudden they get these dollars uh that that are going to cover that uh they've got extra dollars sitting around so it's let's spend let's spend it on stuff that we need to replace uh equipment uh you know there's all kinds of industries that are uh the demand right now um is is it's not a slow peak up that we would would hope we would have been able to manage um as we were coming out of COVID. it was a rocket ship blast off and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been, uh, it's been challenging with many manufacturers uh, through this time period uh, to try to not only produce the products, but now try to, you know, deliver them and then also have product availability. Most manufacturers, I would say, Jeff, when you, when you look at it, uh, you know, think of your uh yeah, well, well, let's use the, uh, the, the toilet paper incident uh, that we, we went through with uh, COVID. You know, uh, y- y- you look at that and you think that everybody has, uh, you know, that inventory sitting there. Um, well, when the, the rush started and uh, it consumed everything that was on the shelves, of course, every, you know, all those manufacturers of toilet paper rushed to replenish and didn't have anything else sitting in the warehouse to, to, to follow that up. Um, thinking that okay, we're going to replenish it. We'll meet that demand. There won't be anything else. Well, that demand continued. Uh, so there was a void there, and and that's sort of where I would say a lot of these uh, manufacturers and industries are in right now is they've completely wiped out any type of inventory that they might have had sitting around uh, to sort of fill those needs, and uh, it's 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 a challenge. Yeah.
0: But I appreciate you being um, that forthright and open about um, the the supply, you know the, the the availability of that because it's it's not easy for anybody right now, no, um, it, no. and it doesn't matter what you're looking for or what you're trying to get, um, whether it's a piece of equipment or I mean just drive by a an automobile dealership um, and there's hardly any new cars on the lot. Um, there's even less and less used cars, you know, every day when you drive past them. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, um,
2: supply you know, and, demand. It, it, and it's interesting, you know, who, who would have thought that used cars would have, uh, you know, probably a higher value now than, yeah. you know, it's always a de- depreciated asset, right? You know, when right. you buy the car and you drive it off a lot, it's already lost, uh, you know, thousands of dollars. And now, uh, now it's just the opposite. Uh, and, and you, know, and you would sell,
0: you would sell it to the used car a
2: lot, but then you can't buy one to drive. So yep. you you're, it's a, it's a lose, lose. <laughs> yep. No, but you know, one of the things, uh, you know, when you look at leasing uh, to, to the point of what we're at right now around availability, you know, um, leasing is a big part of our industry. Uh, if you look at it on the golf side, uh, the ground side is starting to understand it, it, you know, they get a little bit more leverage and a little bit more bang for their buck when they go into the leasing. So I think there's more municipalities starting to explore that. Um, but one of the things to, to especially right now with where we're at and what, the times that we're in, uh, if you are going to go down the road of leasing, you definitely want to consider um taking and, and setting uh the leases up on on separate schedules. Or maybe you do a master schedule with a number of different uh schedules underneath there because you're not most likely gonna get, you know, if you order five products, you're not gonna most likely get five products at one time when it when it delivers. You might get a product here one month and it might be two months before you get the next next product. So you're going to want to look at and maybe setting stuff up uh, a little bit differently than what leases have been done in the past. Now, hopefully when we get on the other side of this, we can go back to where it's, it's all one, uh, one lease at that one time, but uh, there's a lot of, of that being done right now, just because of the availability issues.
1: How many folks are, sorry, go ahead, Jeff.
2: No, that's all right. Go ahead, Tanner.
1: I was going to say, how many folks end up buying, after the lease? Like when they, they, you know, they end up purchasing that piece of equipment because maybe they like it or or for other reasons.
2: Good, good question, uh, Tanner. And, and, you know, I would say it it depends on the piece of equipment. Um, So, you know, in some situations, you know, let's take a, you know, an an airifier or, you know, something that doesn't really have a lot of hours on it or a lot of, of, of use. If, Maybe they do it uh, originally on a a three or four year fair market value lease and then decide, you know what, we really haven't used this piece of equipment a lot, still has a lot of value, still has a lot of life left in it. We know we can probably get another five years out of it. That's probably those scenarios where they'll look at at purchasing, um, purchasing that asset at the end. Um, now, nowadays, I would say, Tanner, what a lot of folks look at um, when they do a lease is they look at how do we how do we do a couple different uh, structures with that. And, and what I mean is there might be items um, that they take and they put on a fair market value. And at the end of the term, they basically turn that that asset in and then they release the uh, you know, next new greatest thing. Uh, because they've used it, they've probably put a lot of hours on it. They've done that. They'll also couple it up um, with what we would call a conditional sales contract, which is more or less a dollar buyout type of a, 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 a lease. Um, that at the end of that term, they actually own the asset. So again, things like a, a, an airifier, maybe a top dresser, um, you know, maybe a back. Those type of things that they're not. It's not a daily usage on on the piece of equipment, and they they take care of it. Um, they might look at putting those on a on a, a CSE or CSC uh, type agreement, where the other stuff will be on a fair market value. They'll turn it in at the end of the four years and really uh, get a, a fresh set of equipment uh, on those type of scenarios.
1: When folks enter a lease agreement, and let's say we'll go back three or four years. So yes. people had been under a lease, they plan on getting new equipment, but then you have these availability issues. Are those yep. people taken care of first before new sales? You know what I mean? Like where do those, the equipment that comes off the line, is that going to go to servicing the people that are existing customers that are coming off of a lease, or are they going to go to the, to the top buyer top dollar new sale?
2: Um, you know, I would say it, You know most of our I guess I would I can speak on sort of our our business most of our business you know we've we've sort of seen you know we we saw what was coming ahead of us uh, and we encouraged our distributors to get out and really have conversations with folks that were were having leases come up um you know a year and a half two years down the road and 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 really get in line uh, as quickly as they could for product um, you know, so as we produce products, we fill those orders as, as they came in. Um, so we're not, I would say we're not taking and, and filling, you know, this big guy over here just because, you know, he forgot to put an order in the system. It's as the orders came in, they're going out to, you know, those distributors to fill those orders. I would also say that, you know, most of our distributors have worked with most of the folks that already had existing leases and tried to figure out, you know, do we, extend that, that lease for another year or so until we can get the product? Do we, you know, and they, there's, there's a term in leasing where they call it evergreening, where you just continue to, you know, make those payments uh, until you, you want to turn it back in. Um, And uh, some of the lease companies work with the customers on that. I think the the thing to remember when you do do a, a fair market value lease, you don't, own the asset it's the it's the lease company that owns that asset so a lot of those um you know things when you get into those type of situations it comes down to um you know making sure that you're working with the lease company making sure you're working with you know the distributor that you're you're buying the equipment through and and making sure that everybody's working together to to Make sure there's no gaps in there where you're 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 not either able to have equipment or you're uh, you're waiting for some stuff. So um, it, it's been a challenging time. There's no doubt about it, because it's you know, it, it's just uh, um, it, it it's. It, it, you love to see the demand for the product. There's no doubt about that. But you you hate to have to tell somebody that it's going to be, you know, eight, 12 months before you're going to get the product just because of the demand of it.
1: Across the, I guess, let's, I'm curious about pricing. And I mean, in general, as a whole, would, can you say on average, you know, maybe across the industry, like I look at, I'll speak from my experience in the, in the, We'll say lawn care industry. Mm-hmm. It seems like pricing has gone up, we'll say over the last year, we'll say about a year because of all, you know, whether it be inflation and availability of materials, fertilizer pricing, fuel pricing, seems like everything's gone up somewhere between 10 and 15, 18%. I mean, would you say that's probably fair in regards to equipment?
2: I, I would say it's uh, probably on par, same, same level uh, with the equipment side of it. Um, you know, the, the, the challenge that you have, um, when you look at pricing and and commodities and, and things like that, um, we're in what I, and I hate using the term, but we're in unprecedented times, um, you know, we've gone, uh, from seeing, you know, steel, a steel roll, um, or rolled steel, I should say, Um, you know, being uh, at one price that has been fairly consistent over probably a 15, 20 year time period uh, to skyrocketing to three to to four times uh, the cost of it uh, during this this COVID journey that we've been on. And uh, while prices are starting to maybe uh, come down a little bit, they're still at highs, unprecedented highs. Um, when you look at these commodities and, uh, the challenges for any manufacturer, if it be us or if it would be anybody else that's out there is, you know, when you have a 200 or 300% price increase, uh, for, uh, you know, for a product that you're trying to get, you can't pass that on to the consumer. Uh, it, it just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't flow. So, you know, um, we took a number of pricing actions throughout, uh, last year, uh, which, uh, you know, generally we, we don't do that. It's usually once a year when in normal times. Um, so to have to take a number of different pricing actions throughout the year, uh, you know, it's challenging. Um, but the, the reality is, is that the, um, you know, what, what uh, you know, what we have absorbed um, in the cost structures, as far as you know, it, let's just say the commodities. You, you couple that with uh, logistics. I mean, give you a good example on that is you know the containers, for example. Um, you know, generally containers were twenty five hundred to thirty five hundred dollars each um, to get a container. They're running anywhere now anywhere from twenty thousand to thirty thousand dollars a piece. Um, you know those those type of increases in cost, and then you know trying to find a truck driver to drive it somewhere around the U.S. Uh, is uh, you know those those are those are challenges. Um, and I, I use the word challenges. I should probably should say they're opportunities for businesses to try to figure out how do you how do you improve um, you know efficiencies elsewhere to help offset some of these cost rising uh, rises that we're we're seeing. Um, on, on all these things going forward, and you know, I, I, I wish I had a crystal ball to sit here and say this stuff is going to end in three six months. Um, but I, I, I would I, I I would say we're probably in this um, you know for another at least year. Uh, trying to work through some of these challenges that we're we're dealing with. I mean, as we sit here today, there's still provinces provinces over in China that are not even back to even a probably a quarter of what they were operations in their plants. Um, you know, uh, before all this COVID started. So uh, we're going to, we're going to feel this for a while. And you couple that with the inflation aspect that we're dealing with as well. Um, I think last month was 7.9% is where we're we're, we're, we're getting up to. I mean, that, that's, that's another concern um, on top of it. And then throw, uh, I hate to throw negatives on here, but you throw now the Ukraine crisis that we're going through. uh, That's a huge oil uh, and gas, um, you know, uh, area uh, exporter. And, uh, you know, now you're looking at uh, those. Well, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, it's gonna hit hit us on at the pump and we're already seeing that uh, as far as gas pricing uh, for filling up your tank. Uh, that also, you know, cascades down into plastics and resins and all those type of things that, uh, will continue to escalate, uh, as we go forward. Yeah. I had, um, ordered
1: a piece of equipment last, I guess it was February and I knew it would take some time to get it. And I didn't get it until almost November of last year. Yep. So, I mean, and it's like, everybody's got a story like that. And, you know, these are the things that you work away. And a lot of times because of how intricate, you know, some of these pieces of equipment are, you could be waiting on like one or two small items, but that's the holdup. I mean, it's like a chain. You can't use the chain without one link, you know? So, yep. um, yeah, it, it's, it's, I could definitely understand how much of a struggle it is. Yeah. No, it's uh, you know, we're,
2: it, you know, we, we're hopeful um, that, you know, we've, we can see improvement and, and things as we get further into this year. But uh, like I said, I think we're we're going to be riding this journey for a little while. And let's just keep our fingers crossed that things get better. Uh, that uh, you know, out uh, in the uh, in the world here, that we don't have any more things that constrain uh, the systems that are already constrained uh, already. So Boyd.
0: Um in my previous life, um, I spent a lot of time trying to manage some offices. Um, And the experience I have with leasing versus buying is copiers, um, those kinds of things that we would many times put on to lease um, for budgeting reasons. So we knew exactly what everything was going to cost us, you know, from postage meters to copiers and you know, other office equipment. Um, I, I can see where that would be uh, an advantage with um, equipment, but I also know that there was a period in time, and we're just coming out of one of these um, where where I could get money to, to buy equipment for like zero percent, zero point zero zero percent financing. Um, basically, borrow money free, um, not free, but you know what I mean. Very little interest uh, yep. associated. What? Where does that Where does that play into my
2: decision,
0: into the process of making a decision about?
2: Yeah, I you know when you when you look at leasing and and leasing or do I buy it? I I think it comes down to really, um, you know, if it's a, a an agency, a municipality, if it's a. a, a, a private entity or whoever is is really developing the strategy that you want to go forward. You know, to your point, um, you know, you put a, something on a lease uh, it is a, a generally a set payment that you're going to make that, you know, what it is every month uh, throughout the time of, of, of the life of that piece of equipment. Whereas if you're buying uh, generally, that is a, that is a, a cash outlay and, you know, stuff's not getting cheaper. Uh, so now, you know, you know, if you're going to buy a fleet of equipment and it's going to cost you half a million dollars, um, you know, you, you have to have a plan in place or a strategy in place with your boards, with your ownerships to say, you know, every four years we need to replace you know replace the fleet of equipment and uh, you know look that those are challenge yeah that's a that's a huge challenge for for folks um, especially when we get in times where maybe dollars aren't aren't flowing as, as much as they are flowing right now to your point on you know as as far as the interest interest rates right now I mean we're, we're coming out of a time where you know to your point I mean borrowing money, Made sense. Uh, you didn't have to pay a lot of interest on um, uh, you know the money that you're borrowing, and so it, it made sense to do that. You know, some other things I think you, you need to consider uh, as well, and a lot of this depends on you know sort of how you're structured, and and I, I would I would add the caveat: I'm, I'm not a tax expert, so you'd want to check with your your folks that do all your tax work um, on this. But there are some tax benefits uh, to either leasing or buying, depending on what, what you're looking at. So, um, you know, you, you also want to take those type of things into consideration when you're, you're trying to evaluate, do I buy it? Do I lease it? Um, flow is another one. I mean, you know, uh, take the golf business, um, and you, maybe you've got a course that that's only open six months out of the year. Uh, those six months out of the year is when the revenue's flowing in. Um, so, you know, they might need to have a lease structure that says, okay, I'm going to pay, you know, I'm going to pay for the first six months or these six months where we're open and then I'm going to take six months off and then I'm going to come back and do six months. So when you get into leasing, um, you have a lot of, I I don't want to say flexibility, but you have a lot more options, I think, to consider, um, as far as setting up the structure as, as you go but I think it all comes back into sitting down with again your your management folks uh, and, and coming up with the strategy uh, that you want to use um, you know to make sure that uh, that you're you're uh, leveraging the assets properly in your business and and I, I think that's you know that that's an important uh, thing to consider. Um, when you're looking at it um, and you know there's things like time value of money uh, you know there's you know there's all kinds of things like that that you want to look at and consider before you just say okay I'm just going to go lease um, on that side of it Um, you know and but to your point I think too the other thing to look at when you're when you're leasing equipment Um, you know, versus maybe just a cash outlay um, that you're buying, most of the time you would, you know, if you're going to outlay and buy a fleet of equipment, you're going to probably try to get, you know, the most you can out uh, out of that piece of equipment. It could be, you know, eight years, 10 years, whatever down the road. But the also the other side of the equation is, is the maintenance of that equipment to keep it to run eight and 10 years as you go down because the you know if you look at it as a graph term um, that 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 graph and that chart you know it starts to escalate after you get out uh, a period of years as far as the maintenance and what needs to be taken care of to, to operate those you know those products so you know when you look at a lease if you're doing a three or four years and then you're going and you're getting the next you know, upgrade to the piece of equipment, new technology, um, you're sometimes able to, um, flatline or at least keep those maintenance costs down because you're not getting out there where you're, you're exposed a little bit more, um, on some of those maintenance, uh, challenges.
0: Yeah. boy so, um, we're, believe it or not, we're running short on time. Um, but, but I got another, I got a question I want to, I want to, completely off of buying versus leasing. I know that you've gone to a number of Super Bowls to help on the ground screw. I want you to not, not everybody gets the opportunity to do that in their lifetime. Um, but I I want you to talk about that for a little bit. What's that like? Um, I mean, that's, that's a big
2: deal. It's, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, you know, the, uh, You realize really quick that uh, when you you get to that that game, um, it's uh, while there's a game, uh, it's it's a lot about the entertainment that that's going to go on uh, during the uh, during the game. So, um, you know, it's it's challenging because uh, a lot of that uh, that aspect, the. The halftime shows, the pregame, the postgames, you know, they have to practice, they have to get uh, prepared for what they need to do. And it really limits uh, the amount of time that, uh, you know, the turf crew has to be able to get out there to take care of the field. Um, you know, to make sure that it's, it's going to be a safe, playable surface for it. Now, you know, this last year, it was on, you know, uh, artificial turf. And, uh, you know, next couple of years, it's going to be a natural turf. Um, there has to be some different given takes, um, as you look at the different types of events, because there's certain maintenance aspects that you, you, you're very limited on what you can do during that, that week or the weekend, two weeks up leading up to that game to try to repair whatever they, you know, the, the entertainment puts onto the field.
0: How many have you done now?
2: Oh boy, I think I'm uh, ten or eleven. Yeah, so that's it, fantastic. It's it's it's, uh, it's a neat experience. Um, you know the the crew. Um, you know you, you put in long days, uh, sixteen plus hour days, um, and uh, you know it's it's a uh, it, it it's it takes a you know, good crew to work together to try to make sure that we've got you know everything you know sort of you know, perfect for, for that one game. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, over the years they've, you know, everybody just comes together and, and does what it takes to make sure that, uh, you know, when that, uh, kickoff happens, that field is, uh, is not going to impact the game. Yeah. It's safe and as
0: playable as it possibly can be. Safe Absolutely. Be. Um, you've, you've been to Williamsport with me, you know, that's our attitude when we go through that whole process as well as, is- um, trying to manage the wear um, of that pregame and the between game and practice between and before and after and they 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 do any you know they'd practice 365 days a year 24 hours a day if we'd let them
2: <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah they're you know it's uh it, it's it's understandable you know when you look at uh you look at these big corporations and they're paying millions and millions of dollars for, you know, for the, either the entertainment or exposure, um, you know, they want to try to get the most bang for the buck. And I, you know, I think one of the things that, that uh, hopefully you'll see as the industry starts to evolve, you'll have, uh, you know, more sensor, censoring products, you'll have all kinds of things that you're going to be able to collect data from. It takes, you um, a conversation that I would say, you know, was probably more subjective. Oh, I can get one more game in, or I can get one more half-time practice, or I can get one more, you know, one more group of uh, corporate folks down on the field. Um, You know, it can take the subjective aspect out of it and say, no, this is the data and this is what it's showing the change or the impact is to the field. So, you know, I know we're not uh, as an industry we're not really there yet, but I think we're we're starting to go down that path.
0: We're we're getting there. We're getting there quick. We're yes. getting
2: there um,
0: a lot closer than they were than we were say twenty five years ago when some of us started in this business. Yes, very much. <laughs> I, won't, so. I won't. I won't say which two of those <laughs> of the three that are that those two are void, but um, it's we've we've come a long way. Yes, we have. We've come yes, a long way. So Tanner, you got your arm ready?
1: Oh yeah, we're always ready.
0: Ready for ready for a couple of strikes. Let's see what we can get past Boyd. Um, Boyd, this is where we um, try to strike you out. Um, kind of wrap up the show. Um, but I will before we try to strike you out. I will say thank you very much for for joining us. Um, it's been very informative, very educational for me. Um, I hope it is for our listeners as well. I'm sure it will be. Um, but I appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule to sit down and talk with us.
2: Well, thank you for, uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You know, I'm, I'm always, uh, always here to help. So, so question one is the
0: same question we ask everybody. It's a, it's kind of a, a softball um, easy pitch to hit and and it's, what do you like to do when you're not working? Um, well, you know, what,
2: what, what are your hobbies? What do you, what do you like? How do you like to spend your time? My, my, my time right now uh, what I get the greatest kick out of is spend it with my grand grandkids. So, you know, to your point, 25 years in the business plus uh, a lot more years on top of that uh, to have grandkids and be able to spend time with them and enjoy them. Uh, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome.
0: Yes. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. Um, I actually, um, Tanner, just to give you, I, um, I know his, all know all of Boyd's kids as well and his daughter actually was with us in Williamsport one year to help us um on the field he brought her with her and um we put her right to work
2: yep yep
0: so um that's that's strike one um Tanner what what do you I think maybe we can give him a couple extras today
1: I think well, we, I, I, well I guess the one that I'm curious because you've been to different locations uh for you know venues I and my question is, is out of all the places that you visited, what is your favorite venue that you've been to? Williamsport. <laughs> oh, come on. I knew, I, somehow I knew when I was going to ask him, like, he better not say Williamsport. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, that was a lob. So I had to, I had to hammer that one. Um, you know, if, if you want uh, – uh, Domestically, I, I would probably have to say that uh, SoFi Stadium this last year is a very, very impressive stadium. Yeah,
1: okay. Now you said domestically. Is there one outside of the U.S.?
2: Uh, so now I'm going to put on my other hat uh, and say St. Andrews. Okay.
0: We're talking about a guy who's been to Talladega. We're talking about a guy who's been to Super Bowl. He would in his previous life, he had he was a sports memorabilia fanatic. Wow, man.
2: you're really going back. Didn't you have a store at one point that you? I did, I did, I did, and actually, I, you know, I'm I'm re- resurrecting the business a little bit too online. Oh wow! Yes, so it's it's
0: not just that that's a that's a that's a big say for Sofi. That's that's a that's a big compliment. Yep. Um, so we're not gonna we're not gonna be that easy on him anymore, Tanner. I'm I'm going I'm going right for the heart. I tried this one um, before on one other guest, and and he, I, I I won't be critical of him, but he didn't do near as well as I thought he was going to. But if I'm gonna try it on you, okay. and, and if and if it doesn't work, Tanner, I promise this will be the last time I try this question. Okay, but I I think we can do better. I think Boyd can do better for us. I'm gonna or give you. That's a lot of pressure. That's a yeah. Lot no, of pressure. Uh, well, like it, it's it's it's. If it doesn't work, it's my fault. Okay, I'll take the blame. <laughs> for
1: are it. these are these new ones? Or are they the same ones?
0: No, no, no. They're the same ones. I, we didn't get the uh, first ones right.
1: Uh, well, okay. I didn't know if you had new ones too.
0: No, I've got the same list. All right, same All, right. all right, Boyd. So, um, you're about we're about the same vintage. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you some jingles from um old some some dated products, and I want you to tell me what that product is based on the jingle. Now okay. I gotta be honest, I gotta be honest with you. My challenge is to say the words and not sing them. Oh geez. like like we would hear them. Okay. So I'll give you an example. Here's the first one. Number one, my baloney has a first name, Oscar Meyer. How's that song go after that? My baloney has a first name.
2: Oh, God. I don't know.
0: It's it's O-S-E-R. My my baloney has a second name. It's M-A-Y-E. Okay. Um, Number two. Tanner got this one right um, before. I don't want
2: to grow up. Oh, I want to be a kid. Um, God, what the heck is that? Oh, shoot. You might have stumped
1: me. I, I it, you got it. You got it kind of right, I think. Yeah, it, toys, it, toys it, are toys us. Toys are us. There you go. Toys are us.
0: Yeah. Is there any of
2: those around anymore?
0: Give toys me us. a break. Give me a break. Uh, break me off a of, uh, piece of that Kit the cat
2: bar. There, there go. we go. Now there we're go.
0: now we're on a roll. There you go. The best part of waking up.
2: Uh, is soldiers in your cup. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like a nut. nut. Sometimes you don't. Uh, it's one of the candy bars. I don't eat
0: them anymore. <laughs> Almond Joys had nuts. Mounds don't. All right. This isn't going near as well as I thought it was going to. Tanner. I guess I'm going to have to lose it. I'm going to have to lose that question, but I'm not going to let him off because I'm going to make him answer another question um, that I, that we've used. And I think he's probably prepared for Cause he's, I know he's listened to some of our, of our episodes. Uh, Boyd, in the world, have to assume that no one is offended by smoking a cigar, dead or alive. Who are the five people that you, Boyd Montgomery, wants to sit down and smoke a cigar with?
2: Five people I want to sit down and smoke a cigar with. Uh, Let's see. Dead or or alive. It can be anybody. Uh, So uh, it would be uh, uh, Sammy Hagar. Michael Jordan, uh, Eddie Van Halen, Jeez, uh, uh, probably uh, uh, Cal, uh, This will be another one for you. Yaz, how's that? You know who Yaz is, don't you? Yeah. Is that Carl? Carl Yaskrimsky. Yep. Uh huh. And, and, uh, Let's see. My fifth one, uh, probably would be my dad.
0: That's a, that's a good list. That's a good list. I appreciate, I appreciate you playing along. I think we got him though, Tanner. That was good. (laughs) I, I, um, Boyd, it's been great having you. Thank you so much. Um, I'll remind our listeners, you can get a hold of Tanner and I at our um, email address. It's freshcutgrass at psu.edu. If you have questions for us or for our guests, we can forward them on to our guests. Um, um, if you don't know how to get a hold of them, we can do that for you. Um, questions or episodes that you want us to address, um, shoot us an email. Um, Tanner, been great having you. You can, you can take us home for the night.
1: Yep. Just want to say thanks again. Uh, Enjoy the conversation, Boyd. Appreciate your expertise. And I'm sure we'll we'll talk soon. And other than that, we'll talk to our listeners next time.